Hello and welcome to Brilliant Misfits, talks with women who are the renegades, the creatives, the entrepreneurs, the artists who didn't fit in and how they've turned it around by courageously following the beat of their own heart. We'll be discussing all things creative, mindful and artful to inspire you to do it your way and be brilliant with your host, Asia Kennedy. everyone. My name is Asia Kennedy, your host on Brilliant Misfits. Thank you for being here today. Uh, and before I introduce you to a very special guest, I just want to mention that you can join my Facebook group, Brilliant Misfits. It's free and it's a wonderful place to connect with other like-hearted women who are Brilliant Misfits for support, inspiration, and sharing in a sacred private group space. And at www.asiakennedy.com, you'll find more information and other offerings for living a mindful, creative life. My fab guest today is Lisa Fitzpatrick. She's a brilliant misfit extraordinaire. Lisa is a coach, a best-selling author, a yoga teacher, workshop facilitator, a mom to two sons, and the founder of Sacred Women's Business. And all of that doesn't speak the volumes of what this woman is bringing into the world. So welcome, Lisa. I'm really excited to have you here. Thanks, Aisha. It's an absolute privilege to be here. Thank you. So before we jump in to sharing about you and your work, I'm going to invite us all, Lisa, myself, and you, the listeners, to just pause for a moment right now. And let's take a deep breath in together. And just hold it there for a second. And slowly exhale. Ah. So Lisa, I'm really curious about Sacred Women's Business. And I'd love it if you'd share with the listeners how that came to be in your life. And tell us who it's for and what it's all about. Thanks, Aisha. Uh, yeah, Sacred Women's Business is a coaching and training business that I created and it was born from a very uh, big turning point in my life, I guess you could say, in 2005 when I fa- found myself facing single parenthood with two sons aged three and five and I just did not know how I was going to survive the journey of single parenthood. And I looked around me and realized that women were still facing these atrocious gender inequalities. And it really shocked me because up until that point, I'd had quite a privileged sort of a life, um, a life that I felt like a misfit in, I will add. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like I had everything that the sort of mainstream would consider to be that you've made it, you know, um, we, we, my, my partner and I had two, two properties, we had two nice cars, we had two beautiful sons, I had two university degrees and, you know, really I should have been on top of the world but my whole world imploded because I didn't fit the life, you know, the old life that I had. And coming into single parenthood and facing this gender inequality, it just took me on a path where I realized that as a woman, we have a duty of care um, to set an example to our sons and to our daughters Mm -hmm. of what a balanced world looks like. 
And, you know, this balanced world really depends on us all um, embracing a healthy masculine as well as a healthy feminine. Um, And I I believe it's been imbalanced because so much of our mainstream structures have been very patriarchal in nature. Mm. Yes, and um, your most recent book, which is Healing the Heart of Your Business, really touches on that quite a bit, doesn't it? It does, Aisha, because I was attracting, because of the nature of sacred women's business, I cater to spiritual women who are very high achievers and who have a really big vision for their life, for their business, and they've always known that they're special in some way. Mm. And the thing about this type of spiritual woman is often she is um, very much in her feminine, intuitive, creative nature. And yet it's absolutely essential for a successful business or for a business that will make a contribution that that a balance between the feminine and masculine polarities in business is reached for sustainability and longevity. Hmm. If we're too much in our feminine in our businesses, we lose sight of the pragmatic structures that we need to make a business profitable, um, to enable us to leave a legacy, um, you know, to have that sort of legacy-based um, ideal, um, it, it, it's really quite necessary to know where, where, you're, um, where you're heading with your business. So some, some future planning, which is, is, is quite masculine in nature. Mm, that's right. And um, so for those of you who haven't yet gotten the book, Healing the Heart of Your Business, um, you really outline a way to for women to have a sustainable business. And without going into detail, because the book is really highly detailed, and it's wonderful to have all of those steps, but just would it be possible if you just outlined what the four, what those elements are for sustainable success? Because we just touched on a little bit about the feminine and then the masculine. Um, and in your book, you sort of go into detail about all the different parts that really creates a sustainable uh, life, actually, and business. Thanks, Aisha. Yeah, it's um, something I feel really passionately about um, is the, the, the model of sustainability that I love to work from, which is that we have four, four polarities in our business or, or, and we can apply this to life. You're absolutely right. And those polarities are represented by our North Pole or our North Node, as it's sometimes known as which is actually our life purpose, you know, and and when we are in divine alignment with what we agreed to bring forth in this beautiful, precious human life that we were given, you know, it's like we, we, we made an agreement that we would use our life in some way or that our life would, would, would that we would come bearing gifts and we, we've made a soul agreement to give these gifts and, and part of our life's purpose is finding what these gifts are. So the North Pole of our business is all about us being very much in alignment and honest about the gifts that we have to bring even if they scare the bejesus out of us you know we have this duty of care to our own soul and to the contracts we made with other souls to actually support um 
and bring bring our gifts forward. We also then need to have balance in our physical bodies, which I say is the South Pole because this is us having our human experience. So sometimes we come bearing these amazing spiritual gifts and insights and wisdom, but actually bringing it into the earth plane with all the shortcomings we have in our physical bodies, you know, that can present a challenge and um, and it can be we, we have to go through the physical fear of bringing our gifts in we also need to look after our bodies so that our bodies don't burn out and so the south pole of our business I mean what good is any success if we're not actually caring for our bodies alongside it mm-hmm. all the success in the world can't really buy health so I love to bring the south pole in as an important part of of the balance and sustainability yeah. Yeah. Um, so we also have the East Pole of our business, and this is very much about our emotional well-being, which is based on the Eastern philosophies, which are very subjective and feminine in nature. And you know that the the East Pole or that ability for us to see the um, beauty of the feminine um, recline, the beauty of the feminine's ability to receive the beauty of um, feminine playfulness and spontaneity, intuition and creativity. These are all quite playful aspects in business, but they are not going to work for us unless they're balanced out by the West Pole. And I say the West Pole because it's more capitalist in a sense that West Pole is 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 facing in that Western direction, which could be considered materialistic and a little capitalist in nature. Mm-hmm. But in actual fact, um, what it's really about is us having a healthy masculine pragmatic structure to create this amazing um, container for our business that does not leak abundance and does um, have um, the ability to actually provide and give to everyone around us, mm-hmm. which I think is such a, an important piece that sometimes um, we can resist also. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you find um, when you work with women, is that um, – for me, when I'm hearing that, like I really relate to the East Pole and, you know, the fun, playful receptivity, the emotional well-being, all of that. But when it comes to the the masculine, um, you know, I find that a little hard, a little, you know, and I don't know if that's just because of the masculine that we've been given, the sort of patriarchal system that, that's been out there for a long time. Um, but it, I know it's necessary, but I find that that's a little bit of a challenge. Do you find that a lot of women have that challenge? I do, Aisha, um, especially women who are heart-centered. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I do believe, and, and this might sound a bit woo-woo, but I do believe that when we have been burnt at the stake in our past lives for being, you know, women, for having gifts, we have a resistance to that to the masculine and it it really is um, an important part of the healing process of our planet to understand what a healthy masculine means to Mm -hmm. us as women in business because what I love to remind women of 
is that your business should be looking after you like a good husband would be. Mm, That's a beautiful image, yeah. And if we know what a good husband looks like, you know, our business wants to provide for us. It wants so much to hold us when we're feeling tired. It wants so much to love us up with all of the um, spoils of the of the universe. And you know, whether we're we're materialistic in nature or not, perhaps for for you and I, it's more about being able to afford beautiful organic food or you know, um, fresh flowers hours on our tables each day but our business is longing and desiring to be that caretaker for us and I think a lot of women um, believe that they're looking after a baby when it comes to their business and their business becomes really hard um, because they are you know um, spiritual women heart-centered women are very caring Mm. and they don't like to um demand or assert or even um, command, I think is a better word, mm-hmm. the conditions for affluence and well-being and, and that support. There's, there's, a, there's a secret shame around desiring the masculine to look after us as women. Somehow we've been conditioned to think that we need to be strong and independent and not need anything from the masculine. Mm. Be further from the truth. Yes, and I find a lot of women um, have a, a difficult time stepping into their power, and the and the masculine is part of that power. And I think it's um, I do believe also that it is a, a deep conditioning from eons of not being able to speak our truth without being crucified in some way. Yes. So, what can women do today to to um, really sort of start to shift that in themselves. Mm. Yeah, I believe the South Pole holds the clues mm-hmm. for the, the innate power that we hold um, because when we really come into our belly and into our centre of gravity and we understand what it means to inhabit the equanimity or the steady ground within us, I believe that a voice rising from a woman who's poised um, is a really powerful testament to, to, to her being authentic. So what I mean by that, um, if we're thinking about that in terms of how we feel in our bodies and being regularly in contact with our own um, sense of poise within ourselves, it's like if we come too far into our masculine, we come across as a, sometimes we come across as being too aggressive or too assertive and someone that we're speaking to may even feel like they want to take a slight step away from us because if we're, we're projecting masculine energy forward like that, it has that effect of being almost overpowering in nature not Mm -hmm. not it doesn't that doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing if we're trying to warn our kids out of danger or something like that yeah but um there's 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 the opposite of that which is us reclining so much in our feminine that we're slightly meek in our body we're in a more um receded position where our voice can't be heard to the level that perhaps it needs to be and that's that gorgeous soft still quiet voice that we hear of intuition when we're in our stillness Mm. and there's a point between those two polarities in our body that if we can sit with poise in, in our posture 
and really connect with what our body feels like when there is a straight line between the base of the pelvis and the solar plexus of the body. And it's a very upright alignment of um, the, 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 the central energy channels, Chisham Nanadi. Mm-hmm. And when we speak from that place when we're in alignment, there's a power that comes from the voice that is neither too overpowering or too meek and just right for who we are as an individual. And the thing is no one else can find that place for us. We can be instructed to find it, but we need to practice being in it. That's the key here is that regular practice of uh-huh. being in that. I'm just loving that, Lisa. I'm As you're talking, I'm sitting here in my chair and I'm adjusting <laughs> my pelvis. I'm sitting back and I'm feeling poised and powerful. No, it is very, very, very important. And um, I wonder if the listeners are also doing the same thing, just sort of, oh, yes, I can feel my spine. And it's a very powerful thing. And I think what you said is really important about you know, when you're just in that mental realm of your masculine, it Mm. comes out Mm. unembodied because it's mental and it's just out there. It's quite sharp. And I think when we embody that it is a completely different thing and that and it is so important for um you know I'm a, a yoga teacher as well so I love anything that's bringing it into the body because the body holds so much wisdom and from that place it comes forth really quite differently in its expression that's beautiful Aisha mm. you appreciate that yeah. and uh- all those years of um, physiotherapy really ah, right. themselves in me too. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that because uh, I'm, I know that was part of your journey, being a physio. Yes. And um, so what happened there? You were a physio and then, and then you, you sort of moved into other realms. Correct, yes. And I did move into yoga teaching for a, a big period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still do, I still am a registered physio. I still do do some physio work um, because I believe that I'm a healer. I, I do believe I need to work with people on that physical level um, as well as, as being a coach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really the transition for me into the yoga teaching world was about um, the fact that the Western medical model that a lot of physios are sort of forced to work in is very, very devoid of um, of holistic understanding about what really constitutes wellness, and so that 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 sense that what yoga offers is a preventative um, approach to the metaphysical conditions of the human soul that actually seed themselves long before the physical illness shows up in the body. Mm. You know, and if we can actually get into the energetic rebalancing that occurs in in a practice like yoga, we will be, um, you know, we will be beacons of light for the preventative um, approach to uh, the body, and I think also when it comes to this idea that we were born with one precious human life, that we made agreements to actually fulfil certain um, 
you know, certain actions and certain deeds while we, we, we're in this life, I did get very confronted by the people in the palliative care wards and who had been in serious accidents or had major surgeries. And I just was struck by the number of people who said, you know, I was not in alignment in my life and my body needed to create this drastic crisis in order to wake me up and shake me mm-hmm. into being and becoming the person I was meant to be. And there's nothing more heartbreaking than seeing someone who's reached end stage who actually um, regrets the fact that they did not live, you know, in accordance to what their heart's desire for their life was. And I felt like that I, I, I got in contact with a vow that I'd made to support people to feel that they had every right to claim, you know, their gift mm. and give it. Mm. Wow. And I, that creates wellness. Oh, I that just gave me goosebumps listening to that story about um – yeah, just seeing that in people and, and them acknowledging that they've actually brought that into their lives for whatever reason. Um, yeah, that's very powerful. Yes, yep, yeah. And I think also the, you know, the human consciousness is sort of going through a really big change right now where um, if you look at the yogic model of the body and the up, the, the upper three chakras, the mm-hmm. throat, the arjuna um, and sahasrara, um, the, the, two, the three uppermost chakras have always been considered quite masculine in, um, in, in energetic terms. Mm-hmm. And if we look at how the female body is um, a tri- triangular shaped with the widest point at the base of the body, I believe we're moving from those upper three chakras right down into the lower three chakras, which inhabit the base the pelvis and Manipura. Mm. And of course, our heart is the great moderator of the upper and lower three chakras. Yeah. Mm. And so in that feminine shift, us becoming more embodied and being more comfortable to, to, to actually bring intellect, of course, into the expression of, um, of who we are in our bodies. Um, we're going to, we're going to really create some good, healthy, rebalancing, um, Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think really what you're saying, I think there is a new paradigm that's being created. Um, I really believe that women are a really important part of that because they are bringing through not just the feminine way, uh, feminine power, but as you say, a different sort of masculine power coming into the world. Mm. And um, that's in the whole chakra thing, which um, if people are familiar with the energy centers of the body, I've always believed that they're not singular, isolated chakras, that they all flow together. Mm-hmm. And the center point being the heart, which is in all of them. But, you know, when you talk about the third eye chakra, the Arjuna chakra, for me, that then relates to, say, the Svadhisthana chakra, the second mm-hmm. chakra, and the crown relates to the base chakra, because they work together. It's like mm-hmm. the, the heaven and earth sort of principle. Love it. That's mm. beautiful. I've always um, enjoyed connecting the Svadhisthana 
that that um, intuitive center in our guts, that gut knowing, mm-hmm. with um, also with with Vishuddha, the throat chakra, because when we're poised in our pelvis and we have that uprightness in our posture and our physiology, we we really project through our voice um, a lot more powerfully, and we're also able to open up our creative expression in other ways too. You know, as it um as it as it either flows through our our, our hands and and through to our art or whether it's um yeah through through other means of creativity so that's beautiful thank you Mm. you're so welcome because as you know i love the whole idea of us being creative beings which we are and um i think the more that women really own those parts of themselves that um yeah, they're just bringing in amazing new uh, innovations, new ways of being. And it's a very exciting time that we're living in right now. I feel really privileged to be a part of it. It's beautiful, isn't it? And Mm. I think another thing to counter that, um, which probably um, it, it, it sounds negative, but it's not I'm not saying this in order to bring any um, any negativity to the discussion, but I think sometimes when we do the work of really going deeply into the darker path that the feminine tends to hold, where that darker path is one where we don't have a really strong projection of outcomes and a drive towards direct um, achievement or ambition. It's a more circuitous route Mm -hmm. and it is one that sometimes we can't see more than a few steps in front of because we're so busy sensing intuitively what this moment requires that we don't need to be future-oriented in our thinking. Mm -hmm. But the point I'm trying to make there is that there is a lot of shadow in the world in that we walking the dark path is also about integrating shadow and it's about understanding that there is in fact crisis occurring on the planet that we as light workers can actually transmute and that's not an easy path to take mm-hmm. it does require some especially as a sensitive empathic person who's drawn to the work there is a, a moment of reckoning or rest that needs to occur deep inside of us and that can be quite a dark process in itself and as long as we understand that 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 type of spiritual crisis or or dark night of the soul can be part of the transmutation process I think that's a really important thing just to add there Mm. and so when you say the dark path and the dark night of the soul do you mean like for example um, for women, would that be like feeling shame or holding feelings of not being good enough and and really not actually exploring that but kind of pushing it away? Is that sort of what you're talking about? Yeah, you've so named it, um, mm. Aisha. And mm. also the fact that the feminine um, energy is a moon energy and there's times when the sky is very black and, the, you know, the, the moon will, will come into its fullness 
And the interesting thing about the past for women was that their cyclic natures were in fact honoured enough that, you know, on a monthly basis when they were bleeding, they were given um, a red tent to do their visionary work in. Mm. And that visionary work was not easy for the women to do, but as a result of having a special licence or space to do their work every month, um, it, it's uh, there was some fabulous research done by um, Alexander Pope where she showed that if women aren't given that time out and that space to sort of muse around the um, cycles of the moon, then there is a much higher rate of psychiatric disturbance in the in 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 the the population of women that are pushing themselves out into that patriarchal approach of the nine to five, no matter what. Mm. So um, yeah, so I, I I am talking about the the shame that women hold around not being able to fit in mainstream society for those reasons, and that's why I love your concept of being a misfit, Aisha, because. Mm. We are misfits and we need to be really proud of that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we need to be brilliant in not fitting in and, and, and really give up the whole notion of fitting in because yeah. it, what are we fitting into yeah. is the question. Yeah. And um, yeah. the whole notion of pushing, 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 when you were talking about, you know, mm. certain times where women were given the red tent, I mean, I just felt, oh, and just reflected back on my corporate life where mm. in my moon time, all I do was just pop a few Advils, you know, so that I wouldn't feel it and just keep pushing on and pushing through. And so I know it's, it's, it's shocking, but, um, what, so there are still women who are working in the corporate world and, and what, what bit of sage advice could you give them to allow themselves that sort of time out? Like what would be something that they could implement in their lives to, to really honor that time yeah, without having to pop the pills and keep pushing through? Yeah, that's such a great question. I had the most brilliant um, woman at one of my recent workshops and she was a leader. She was a, a, a supervisor in her workplace and she has made a policy with her workers that they're allowed to wear a little red ribbon on their, um, on, on their wrist or um, on their clothes somewhere that shows the rest of the workplace that they're actually bleeding. Uh-huh. And, and so they don't even have to say it out loud. Everyone just knows that those are the days where they, they're allowed to be tender with themselves. And if they are seen to be getting themselves a nice cup of um, rosehip tea outside break time, mm. that's actually fine because, um, you know, it's just an unspoken respect for the, the bleeding time of the cycle. I thought that was so beautiful. I love that. That is beautiful. And that should be sort of a model for, you know, other businesses to um, take on board. There shouldn't be any shame or hiding of what's quite a natural phenomenon. Mm. And I think um, it's the women who are leading that I love to connect with through my business because women who are in leadership roles Mm. do actually set the tone and the values of their business. And if they have employees or they're, you know, they are key influencers in this process of embracing um, the 
the um, the cyclic nature of of being a woman, and that them that they are either modelling the unhealthy patriarchal expectations, or they're modelling that beautiful, innovative um, sort of finding the edge of the acceptable, and 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 that that's a that's an incredible place for a leader to currently be in. I think that's exciting for women who are holding positions of power right now. I think that is really brilliant. That is so brilliant. Thank you, Lisa. So I wanted to just sort of um, finish up with today's episode with um, maybe something that you would like to impart to our listeners that, um, you know, they might be going through a transition and, you know, you mentioned how scary it is. I think even in your book, you mentioned, um, you know, just stepping into your gifts and sometimes it's a really scary process. And and what do you do and what can women do to really um, move through those places where there's doubt and they're not really believing in themselves and, um, you know, they still feel like they're not fitting in? What words of encouragement or tips or tools could you um leave with us today sure um the first thing i i would love to say is um a a good coach or mentor like aisha who is going to support you to get into your creative um, power if that is where your blocks are that that is a great piece of advice sometimes what it, it it this is a this is um this is an interesting thing about the collaborative process for us women that actually Finding a mentor is also something very, very precious that women are um, being called to do more and more, which is why I think the coaching industry is exploding because we have understood now that we need to link arms with someone Mm -hmm. who believes in us, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes even more than we believe in ourselves. And and there's some kind of shame in the past about needing to um, be guided or supported by another. But this is how women have always done it, that kindred spirit around supporting one another. And so I think um, if we can embrace that and find a good coach or mentor, I highly recommend that. Yeah, it's so true. We don't need to do it alone. And I think that, you know, we've been conditioned to believe that we have to be perfect, we have to know everything, we have to do everything by ourselves. And that is just not the way to go any longer. So and if people want to get in touch with you, Lisa, can you give them information if they want to buy your book, which I highly recommend healing the heart of your business, sustainable success for heart centered women? Where can they find that? Yeah, sure. I'm happy to uh, sign a copy and send it. And all all, um, the listeners need to do is email me at sacredwomensbusiness at yahoo.com.au or they can visit my website and order it through any of the major online bookstores. And my website's www.lisafitzpatrick.com.au and um, they'll, they'll find the book on the books page, the books tab. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Lisa. I could actually, I I probably will have you on the show again, because there's just so much depth to your work and what you're bringing into the world. And I love talking with you about it all. So thank you so much for being here today. My absolute pleasure and congratulations on a wonderful show. I'm so excited about sharing it with everyone I know and I love your work um, so much, Aisha. And I love you as as a woman in my community. I'm 
feeling very blessed right now. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. Bye. Lots of love. Bye-bye. Thank you all for being here today. If you enjoyed the episode, please go to iTunes and give it a review and subscribe. And don't forget to join our private Facebook group, Brilliant Misfits. And for more information on living a creative life, www.asiakennedy.com.